Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are Two Hypnotherapists Talking. So let's get on with the episode. Okay, well, welcome to another edition of Two Hypnotherapists Talking. And Denise and I have got hypnosis royalty as guests today. We have we no other, we, yeah, we have no other than Larry and Cheryl Elman in the States. And I am absolutely delighted beyond words that you've joined us. Thank you. As am I. <laughs> Thank you. So now it's two, two by two hypnotists. Today. Yes, yes. Double the, double the hypnosis. Um, but... But I think we should start way back when. <laughs> um, Larry, obviously, with the name Elman, you've known about hypnosis for quite some time. Could you give our listeners just a little taste of what it was like growing up in Dave Elman's house or on the road with Dave? Yeah, uh, probably the thing that will amuse most of you most and may put this in perspective, uh, my father... Vaudeville. And when vaudeville failed, which would be around 1920, he found himself unemployed in New York, New York City. And at that time in New York City, a fast way to get yourself arrested was to either be or claim to be a hypnotist. So oh. he never mentioned it. If you're in vaudeville, you need to be an understudy to the adjoining acts. So if somebody gets sick, the show must go on. In fact, I remember from age three being told, the show must go on. So he never told anybody, and he spent several years uh, musician, songwriter, actor, etc., etc., trying to move into radio, which was the, the big coming technology. And he finally gets a radio show started in 1937 called Hobby Lobby. So... And, my father wanted to put a hypnotist on the radio. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the lawyers and the network and everybody got all panicked. What happens if somebody in the audience driving a car goes into trance and kills themselves? We'll be sued. Mm -hmm. My father knew doggone well that this is an avoidable non-problem. Uh, had to pretend he was not a hypnotist, knew nothing about it, and convinced them. Mm -hmm. So he's done a job on this. And meanwhile, as I say, he had not admitted to being a stage hypnotist. So finally, in what I believe was the first show of Hobby Lobby in 49, he has as his guest a hypnotist who proceeds to blow his act. He's got a dozen people up on stage. Half of them don't go into trance. He gives a suggestion. It's ignored. Now, meanwhile, I'm at that point. A, uh, parents thought was asleep in the car, but of course, you know, kids, they're not asleep in the car. They're listening. Has heard my parents discussing the fact that if the show gets blown, we lose a sponsor, we're out of work. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm sitting in the studio audience watching this and I'm nervous. And suddenly my father steps forward and says, Mr. Whoever it was, you've done such a wonderful job. I'll bet these people would even take suggestions from me. Uh-huh. <laughs> is, he knows that he's in trouble. And he says, the next voice you hear will be Dave Elvin, do whatever he says. And he runs off stage. <laughs> and my father immediately goes into his old vaudeville. And it works. Of course mm -hmm. it works. No reason it shouldn't. We go to the garage to get the car to drive home. And as we get there, my mother stands with her hands on her hips, her head slightly tilted and her body slightly tilted. It's a position that everybody in the family knows when mom gets into that position, she's going to listen. <laughs> and she says, so Dave, how is it that you know more about hypnosis than the hypnotist? And I see her ask that question. I see my father turn brick red and say, because I was a stage hypnotist. And that was the first time that my mother knew this. And they've mm -hmm. been going together since 1921 or 22. And this is 49. They've been <laughs> So you know how some movies start in the middle? Mm -hmm. Well, so I would just like to pan back. So that we're in 1949 now. Okay. Uh, how did Dave get interested? How did he even know about hypnosis? He was yes. born in 1900 in uh, Park River, uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. North, North, Carolina. North, North Dakota. We're in North Carolina. <laughs> in North Dakota. And then uh, he was quite young when they moved to Fargo, which is where mm -hmm. he grew up. Um, his father, uh, Jacob Kopelman, and his last name is actually Kopelman. And when he was in show business, the uh, it was too much, too many letters for top billing and a marquee. Mm -hmm. So he had dropped the KOP and it just became Elman. So his father was a hobbyist and very fascinated with hypnosis uh, and, and had books. And so Dave happened to go to, uh, went and his dad hypnotized somebody uh, for stuttering. And he, mm -hmm. while the person, while the child was in hypnosis, they stopped stuttering. But as soon as he brought them out, he had no concept of post-hypnotics and how to structure them, um, mm -hmm. suggestions. So it went away. So Dave was like, well, this doesn't really work. And mm -hmm. then when he was eight years old, his dad had cancer and, um, and was in a lot of pain and couldn't get out of bed. And it's uh, a hypnotist stopped by the house. We're not quite sure who there's been discussions on who it could have been, but uh, stopped by the house to visit Dave. Dave actually had a uh, traveling salesperson business and he you sold Jake, had the oh, Jake, his dad, sorry, my grandfather. Um, and he would go to different <clears throat> towns and he would, um, and he would meet hypnotists. Uh, from vaudeville troops along the way too. So he got to mm -hmm. know people. So this person came by and hypnotized him uh, and and really dulled his pain where he was able to get out of bed and and um, and play with the kids and actually left on a trip to, you know, bring in some money to, to do some collections and he died on the train. But mm -hmm. what Dave saw was how hypnosis had 
changed his father and taken away and dulled the pain enough that he was able to get out of bed for the first time in a long time. Right. And that stuck in his mind. So at eight years old, when every, yeah. everybody was, you know, claiming what they wanted from their dad, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dave claimed the hypnosis books. So, uh, but he started mm-hmm. teaching himself and reading and it was Hippolyte Bernheim that he read and and read how he could, uh, if you hypnotized somebody this week and they would go deeper and then the next time you hypnotize them, the next even week deeper. they'd go even deeper, quicker. And and then Dave in his, in his youth was like, yeah, but if if you just hypnotized him and sent him out to the uh, to the waiting room and brought him back in and hypnotized him and took him back out to the waiting room and then he was like but wait why don't you just put him in hypnosis and bring him out take him down bring him out take him down thus was the the dave elman induction which he never called the dave elman induction he called it the three minute routine or three trips to bernheim because it was a polity bernheim that he got concept from so that started it. He practiced on on, on kids in the schoolyard, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and then he sort of had that subside because not many not many fathers wanted their daughter dating a hypnotist. Mm-hmm. So it was, as he would put it, was stunting his social life. Larry would have put it that it stunted his sex life. So, you know, <laughs> here it is like years later. So that is how it started. And then when he was in vaudeville, you know, they had to... Ha- be able to play a variety of different um, characters. So hypnosis was one of them. He played the violin, he played the saxophone, he did comedy, you know, and uh, so he was in vaudeville, you know, today or back in my days, the kids wanted to run away to the circus. He wanted to run away to vaudeville. Mm-hmm. And then it picks up where uh, he was in New York and he loved radio. He would pick up all different kind of jobs in radio. Um, and when some doctors came up to him and told him that uh, he, he would, they would like him to come and teach them hypnosis. He goes, I don't know anything about medicine, but um, Larry, do you know the three things that they told him that he yes. had? So there was this committee of doctors, all of whom had been to multiple of his shows, and they'd seen what, from their point of view, was a pattern. Mm-hmm. And when he said, I don't know medicine. I can teach hypnosis, but get somebody else because I don't know medicine. They said, we, we're going to tell you the three things you've got with hypnosis that are important to a doctor and are why we're asking you. First of all, you have a very rapid induction. All of the members of the committee had been through a hypnosis school that was used by the doctors in the area. But the hypnosis school taught that an induction takes 20 to 40 minutes. You don't have 20 to 40 minutes per patient. It isn't available. You don't even have that now for the whole whole appointment. (laughs) Exactly. And they said, so your induction takes a matter of seconds or at worst, a minute or two. We've seen that on stage repeatedly. That would make hypnosis available to the doctor. Mm-hmm. The second thing is the hypnosis school taught us that only 40 to 60% of humanity can ever be hypnotized. That makes it unusable for the doctor because he doesn't know whether oh, it is. can mm-hmm. be or can't be. 
but we're watching you get between 95% and 100 means you know something they don't. And finally, and this is the important one, every post-hypnotic you've given on every show we've seen has been followed. If a physician gives a post-hypnotic suggestion, it needs the same reliability as the prescription script that you hand to the patient to take to the drugstore. Yeah. If you can teach us those three things, you will have taught us medical hypnosis. Yes, exactly. So the course opened with those three things being what was announced and what was pushed. I attended the course starting in about August of 1950, which means I was probably in the third or fourth course that he gave the introduction that those are the three things we're going to concentrate on with dad at that point saying to the doctors, remember, you know medicine, I know hypnosis. I want the class handled like a seminar in that I want you feeling free to ask questions or to bring up ideas. Mm -hmm. I will learn from you as you learn from me. Because if you look back at society at that time, Physicians were way up here. I know. I miss those days. <laughs> they were totally respected. So for this guy off of a stage to say, I will respect you, meant that they should respect him. Yeah. So, sorry, can, so oh, sorry. Can, can I just interrupt you there, Larry? Um, would would this, this time period, that would coincide with when the... Um, American Medical Association and the British Medical Association both yes. um, state, what were the statements they made, Dennis, about using hypnosis in medicine? And, well, they all said that, but both of them said it should be part of the standard medical education. Mm. It should be part of our general armamentarium, just as drugs and surgery are. So this should be. And it's, again, it's complementary. The problem is when people try to make everything gets very, very popular. It can do this. Oh, and it can do this. And now it can do the laundry and it can do this. <laughs> and then, and then, oh, and then it fails to do one thing and it's like, throw it all out again. And I'm just so fed up with this. We're constantly reinventing the wheel. This is such an incredible, you have to chop this out. I'm on my soapbox. This is the point of hypnosis. It helps a doctor support their patient so they can follow the things they need to do for every, because everything affects your health. Your attitude to your doctor affects your health. Placebo, yeah, terrible word. Don't ever use, that's 50% of medicine. You write them a prescription. The placebo of writing them a prescription does a lot of the work. Anyway, sorry, you're not interviewing me. No, <laughs> Talk to Larry. <laughs> what I'm pushing, you're... We're simpatico. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm leaving it all in. <laughs> you know, it is interesting because in medicine, if a doctor makes a mistake, you know, um, they may get sued, they may be, but they don't automatically lose their license and they don't automatically all around the world go, medicine doesn't work. Exactly. As you were saying, Denise, that when you, when when there's a, an incident with a hypnotist, maybe they did something uh, beyond their scope of practice. I was thinking actually most of the the uh, the bad press that we get are when people are doing stage shows for freshmen at university and they've got a huge audience. You can't monitor 
such a huge audience, so somebody will have an ab reaction. Not dangerous, unpleasant, but not dangerous, with no real sequela, <laughs> to be right. totally medical, but but it gets plastered in all the newspapers. And unfortunately, that means that people say, oh, that won't work then. Hello, Busquette. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm, I must admit, I have a prejudice against stage shows, but not because I don't respect the abilities of those those hypnotists, but because I worry that, that so many people see them and think, ah, it's a trick. You know, and, and the, you almost need like, here's this little booklet of what we're doing today so people can know more about what's actually happening. You know, but in a stage show, there's all, you know, they're all hypnotists are created equal, mm -hmm. but some are more equal than others. Mm -hmm. Same thing with stage hypnotists, you know. Well, and um, it also depends on what you want out of the experience. <laughs> right, right. So for some, for some people, um, I, I would totally disagree on the stage hypnosis i think it's got to be done, tastefully done and yeah. very gp and and um you know and i always think that is a good stage show it has somebody also sitting in the uh on the sidelines so if they are seeing an ab reaction or something but again one yeah. one person if you've got 200 people in the room is going to be very right well, when dad started teaching he bought the heaviest damned medical dictionary that I think was ever printed. It was huge. And it went with him to every class. And every time a word came up in the class, it was in medical jar jargon, read the definition and memorize it every single mm -hmm. time. So that by the end of a year or two of this, he spoke medicine as well as the doctors did. Excellent. And if they brought something up he didn't understand, Dr. So-and-so, would you please explain that? There may be specialists in the room who are in a different field than you are. Which and is again, a polite okay. way of getting it explained to everybody and getting everybody on the same track. Right, and I right. was there for that type of discussion again and again and again. So I just wanted to say one of the things when Dave was teaching his course, um, as he would come up with some newer uh, evolving techniques of his own because as he taught Larry took the course three times it kept changing but it was the, the doctors themselves that would field test the concepts and they would come back with new new techniques that they came up with there was a pediatrician who came up with the idea of the magic spot which was for kids, especially back in the days where it had alcohol in the pad and they would wipe mm -hmm. them before they got the injection. He put some color, food coloring in there, some dye, and told them that this was like the, the magic, the latest magic potion. They will not be able to feel a thing, that, that it's just not going to bother them in the least. And then he taught the kids how to move the spot from here to here or maybe they skin their knee and they can move it to there they got to keep their spot and it was phenomenal so uh he shared that and other doctors started doing it uh, but but the the funny part of it was that uh weeks later that a lot of the, he got to his office and there were parents lined up because they wanted their own magic spot we're going to segue into touring the world with the Elmans. Go on, well, Joe. <laughs> this is exactly, this is the exact thing that we're talking about. 
because when we were touring the world and we have taught in 17 countries, some of them two, three and four times over the last uh, 13 years. Um, so we actually started the touring um, in 2011. So um, in, in doing these tourings, most of these people were already hypnotists and mm -hmm. they were taking our course as an additional. So I think just like anything, if somebody were to, if somebody were to uh, go ahead and uh, go to medical school and they never did any continuing ed or they went to the basic medical school, you know, if you've ever talked to specialists, we have some specialists in our family. And if I have something like a general uh, uh, question, you know, one's an OBGYN. So if I call and I said, you know, I have a medical question, she'll say, well, if it doesn't have to do with the vagina, I can't help you. <laughs> so, 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 you know, uh, or as opposed to if you, somebody's more of a GP, they've kept up with more. Well, it's similar. If you take your hypnosis course and you're not doing things with it and you're not continuing to take additional courses and additional training, yeah. that that in itself is going to uh, make the difference between a good doctor and a great doctor or a doctor mm -hmm. and a great doctor a, mm -hmm. or a hypnotist and a great hypnotist It's very yeah. important mm -hmm. to learn different techniques to fill your toolbox Absolutely. you know to keep up in medicine with the, the with the uh, latest and greatest tools and 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 uh, and and procedures that are out there that people have discovered. You yeah, know? absolutely, Cheryl. Over here in the UK, um, the two main associations that I, that I've joined, the National Council for Hypnotherapy and the Complementary Natural Healthcare Council, both insist on a specified number of CPD continued professional development hours per year that you've right. got to do these extra courses because. You, you never know everything that there is to know. There's always something else to learn. There's always other people to learn from. Um, and there are always people developing further. You know, the uh, Elman absolutely, absolutely. The Elman induction is a great ba basis, but there's lots mm. of little twiddly bits that you so, can add that in with some clients will help them more. And that's the other thing you have to know. People are, each person is different. So you've got to have more than one string to your bow. Oh, absolutely. And getting back to what you were saying about in training, et cetera, having the clinical hours experience before you let loose on your own. It's, you know, it's, it's vital that you get those, uh, mm -hmm. those clinical hours in training. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not sure if we're up to that bit yet or not, but I'm intrigued to know more about this um, Dave Elman legacy conference that's happening. So this is our second conference. The first one we did in June of 2021. Mm -hmm. And it's like Larry's 84 today is his birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy many happy returns. <laughs> and I'm now 70 and we want to keep Dave Elman's legacy, his, his teachings alive. And there are some, as you said, Martin, there are some countries where people aren't even aware or that aware of Dave Elman uh, techniques. His induction, which only takes anywhere from one to four minutes, um, it's built on tests and convincers. Mm. And some people are afraid to test because oh, what if they might be wrong? wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's Roll with of, it. <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. Part, that's part of our training is all the troubleshooting you can do. And what do you do if? And, and, and his overall client-centered uh, 
techniques instead of just reading a script that could be good for er good for everybody and nobody you know mm -hmm. uh, so uh you know sometimes something comes up in a script and you're hitting somebody's fear you know what what one person's safe place is is another person's nightmare so mm -hmm. you know and not everybody wants to be on the beach <laughs> that can be very <laughs> that was scary for someone first... that's, yeah that's your thing isn't it Denise? yeah yeah my first time i was hypnotized by a fellow student i had never been hypnotized before and i, I do want to talk about how you your first experience with hypnosis so that's really important um but my first experience was a, a fellow student a few months ahead of me in the course and he's very american and i am despite having lived here for almost 50 years i'm still pretty english <laughs> and he says and we're going to the beach and so i picturing you know a childhood beach and and he said and you walk over to the fire and I went, what the hell is a fire doing on the beach <laughs> it snapped me right out of it <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> so anyway sorry i digress please tell oh, me God. cheryl <laughs> Sh cheryl tell me when was the first time you were hypnotized because it was not when you met the elements it was quite a while before right correct uh it was in the early 90s um and i decided to stop smoking actually i got hypnotized once before that so it was in the uh, eight, uh, in the 80s, mid-80s, I um, went to a group hypnosis session down in Fort Lauderdale area and for smoking. And mm -hmm. and I did stop smoking. I was two and a, two to three and a half packs a day smoker. Back oh, then, you smoked serious everywhere. Yeah. I was a serious <laughs> smoker. Or it was burning out in the ashtray or I was lighting my cigarette and there was still one in the ashtray. So kind of yeah. like me and coffee. And they're done that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so uh, I, I started playing shortly after, you know, uh, holding somebody's cigarette. Oh, let me light that for you. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and I just played what the, they would call, um, you know, playing on the tracks, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think they would put in AA. And so I stopped. I, I started smoking shortly, like a few weeks later, I was back to where I was. So when I was in New York, I decided, I, I really wish, I went on for a one-on-one, -on -one, I really wish I remembered the name of the person who hypnotized me, because years mm -hmm. later, I probably got to meet them. I think I had uh, two sessions, and I had stopped on the first, and never started again. You know, I went for the second one, and I was already stopped, and I had, and I never picked up another cigarette again. And Brilliant. Well done. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I meant to look this up and I forgot. I did a chart of uh, if I had continued smoking, how what would I have spent? And I did it in the yesteryear uh, prices Money. of cigarettes, mm -hmm. but I also did it in what's that evaluate to today in today's dollars or pounds. And it was like an eye opener. It could have mm. bought a house. And uh, part of what you forgot. Part of what you probably didn't add was what were the added medical costs you would have had had you continued Absolutely. to smoke. Yeah. I had a heavy, heavy, heavy cough. In fact, I lived two floors above the rest of the family and I would wake up in the morning. You know, I feel good. I didn't cough at all last night. Oh, yeah, you did. Parents and, <laughs> and they could hear me two floors up. You didn't. You know, so, so um, yeah, 
and the smell and and you know there were just so many things i really didn't like about it and mm. the more i didn't smoke Infection. the more i loved being a fresh air breather just just a second though i hadn't heard the the story of of course the story of larry's mother and her hands-on hip moment with her husband but you had a similar not quite as strong but a similar response when you found out that larry was could you tell that story very briefly absolutely uh when larry and i started dating um he went to a uh nutritionist and actually he lost 80 pounds 82 pounds 82 pounds uh going to this person um he had gone there the week before and he was looking at a certificate from jerry kine up on the wall Mm -hmm. and so she's looking at him looking at the and 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 at the certificate and she's going elman 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 are you <laughs> and he goes yes i'm the son so now she knows he knows hypnosis right and the next week he he she wanted to meet the person that he eats with most because my husband's a rocket scientist literally but at the same time when she told him he needed to eat protein he said what's a protein yeah. so so we had to finally tell him if it I had a mother like to know what is a protein if it ha- if it had a mother it's probably protein and then there's all the plants and stuff but we didn't want to yeah, confuse right. it so <laughs> so uh she had me come because i was we were eating uh, either eating out together or i was cooking mm-hmm. for him so we had become uh friends got married a year later but we were i only wanted to be friends and so um so while i was there she had been a ballroom dancer and she had had um she had hurt her foot and she hadn't been on or a leg and she hadn't been able to dance for a while now the doctor said she can do it and she had fear of hurting Mm -hmm. herself so she asked larry to hypnotize her and i'm like and i felt like a child as they sent me out to the waiting room (laughs) (laughs) so so that larry can hypnotize her so when larry came out i said excuse me <laughs> hypnotizer how do you know how to do that and because i knew his father had hobby lobby and that he'd been in vaudeville sort of like same thing you know mm-hmm. how did you know how to do that same as pauline and um so uh, there are there are a lot of para uh, similar parallels between pauline and dave uh, their relationship working together in business, same as Larry and I, as we've gone through the same similar thing. So that is how we, um, we, uh, I got to know about hypnosis. But, but even, but even when you, you were both still working then, right? This is pre-retirement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Larry- so, so you, you both had different in the non-hypnotic careers and you still weren't practicing hypnotists at that point. You weren't even trained at that point. So right. there's another vignette that we really have to have is That's how true. you got there. Well, so Sean Michael Andrews um, uh, is is uh, a hypnotist that we have a lot of respect for. He is a huge Elman fan, and he was researching, and he's also a top researcher, you know, and and, and knew about research from his field, and he was going to find Dave Elman's sons. And he found Larry via our, uh, via his com- a little computer company he had in Florida, and also uh, working for 
uh, aviation, doing aviation history for our mobile arts and craft company. Mm -hmm. And so he he discovered him and he called and he was up in um, up in Maryland and he asked Larry if he could come in and interview him. And he got there and the two of them sat in this library for hours and hours. I she says to him, do you know any place that teaches this? And Sean, who was very easy to embarrass, turns brick red and says, I own a school that teaches this. So. <laughs> I just registered. <laughs> and um and so it and then it started as i was learning um sean got um larry uh, a, a, a guest speaking spot at the ngh conference in 2009 mm -hmm. and um, larry knew that people had made inquiries over the years of you know his dad and 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 his dad's teachings but no idea until we got there how iconic he was, yeah. you know, um, and uh, and it was just such an eye opener. And so then, when you know the board message boards and and boards and you know Facebook didn't exist yet, but there mm -hmm. would be groups like Hypno Thoughts, and I I was afraid to get on to any of those things because they would see my name Elman and think I knew something. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I avoided that for, you know, about a year and I kept, I just kept grabbing all the education I could. We went to five or six conferences and started mm -hmm. speaking because I started saying, oh, there's got to be other places to speak. And I started researching it. And then it was actually Valerie Austin, who was, had visited last night on Larry's birthday, mm -hmm. Bash. Uh, she was from London and she did a conference at the Shepperton Film Studios and uh, invited Larry to speak. And um, that's where I met Sheila Granger. I mean, yep. who, you know, I've been working with her and so have you, Denise, for yes. years. I'm and Martin. so, uh, and it just opened our eyes. And uh, we still did a little of the aviation history. Uh, it was actually sort of good timing because the crash had happened and grant money that, that for a lot of the programs we were doing had dried up. Yeah. So now it was like, okay, well, let's do hypnosis. And it started growing and we've been doing it since. So uh, our conference is based on um, bringing people, I think our first one, we had 90 speakers from 20 plus countries. We have uh, speaking doctors, dentists, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, hypnotists, NLPers, uh, Reiki. Uh, so we we have taken all the little things that have branched off from overall uh, uh, overall hypnosis and complementary medicine, and have people come and speak on it uh, and do panels. And it's not doing videos and just going and downloading the videos and watching them. It's although although you can do that too. You are able to, well, like, you can't go to all three rooms at the same time. You can, you can. Yeah. but that will be, the videos will be up maybe a week after, you know, right. they'll, they'll be up there uh, so they can get cut because it's 90 hours of, of instruction. And uh, so, but also the chat rooms are open so you could talk to people in the rooms. And then we have a, a fourth 
room called the Dave Elman Internet. You can show people that photo if you like, at least on the on the oh, YouTube yes. side of this. Yes. Dave Elman Cafe, yes. where you can meet hypnotists from everywhere. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And 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 this way, uh, you really get to network. You get to talk to the speakers. So we actually have uh, this year when we put out for speaking engagements, we ask people who would like to be moderators and who would like to be baristas. And so they'll actually be speakers from the conference, being the baristas. And then we'll have some scheduled things events okay. in there also. So it's great. And this year, uh, the first was how did Dave influence you? Um, and this one is more um, looking at the theme of it this time is uh, evolving hypnosis together, mm. you know, and that's what we do. We exchange ideas. Every time a hypnotist is out there speaking about hypnosis, all of a sudden there are people in the area that are looking for hypnotists to help them with different things. Mm. Mm -hmm. So they do have their purpose, Martin. It's just are they oh, absolutely, done? yeah. I, I'm I'm all for supporting each other, and yeah. uh, I absolutely agree. You know, providing the right message is put out there. It doesn't matter who's putting the yeah. message out there. It helps the whole profession. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I do I do think that we need to the message needs to be yes, you could be a hypnotist, but you know, make sure you've really trained in it. Don't just and don't continue just take, training. Take the, take the weekend course. It's a taster. It's wonderful. My foundation course, which was free, was a one month course that the school was then offering as a promo. And I did that. And and by week two, it was, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> but then I went and took a, a full course. So um, I think right. for most people, including physicians, it takes a while to learn to, to learn how to maneuver in real time. Doctors have an advantage because they've been maneuvering in real time with patients, you know, doing other things because things change or, all the time and everybody's different. But you still need to give your skills a chance to mature before you let loose on the rest of the population. Right. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. You. It was wonderful. I really, it really appreciate was. it. And uh for anybody who is curious about the Dave Elman Legacy Conference, links to register or at least to let, take a look at the syllabus is uh, below in the show notes on both the podcast and the YouTube channel. Absolutely. And, and thank, thank you, so you both. Thank you very much. Oh, our pleasure. Absolutely our pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. Bye now. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.